Time Lord. My name is Daniel Levane, and if you can believe it, I had never seen Doctor Who until I started this podcast, and now I am so hooked. I can't wait for every week to come so that I can watch a new episode and get more Doctor Who goodness. And this episode is going to be entirely about the unquiet dead. Quite possibly, so far I know I've only seen three shows, but quite possibly one of my favorites. And to join me and serve as my Doctor Who expert, my no knower of all Who things, is a good friend and a giant mega Doctor Who fan, Jenny Fayberry. Hey there. Doctor Who fan is great because the doctor quoted being a fan in this episode. Right? I, I felt like they was just talking directly to me. Exactly. He starts... To, he starts... Honestly, Charles, uh, can I call you Charles? I'm such a big fan. Uh, 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 what? Big what? Fan. Number one fan. That's me. How exactly are you a fan? In what way do you resemble a means of keeping oneself cool? No, it means fanatic, devoted. I am definitely a Doctor Who fanatic by now. I've uh, fallen in love with this show. I knew that I would. Uh, you know, friends like you have for years talked to me about how amazing Doctor Who is. There was always something about the conversations that we've had uh, that it made me feel that I was definitely going to be into the show. And who boy, were you right? We're I love this show. <laughs> yes. We're just a little passionate about our Doctor Who. Just a little passionate? I, just, I think that's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, so that uh, the listeners can uh, have a, a full grasp of your fandom, how many Doctor Who outfits do you own? Oh, I honestly, I don't even have a count. <laughs> I don't. And I'm still working on one because of the conventions that got canceled this year. There you go. Jumping into uh, the episode, I feel like this show is literally trying to draw me in deeper because, once again, uh, listener, if you have not seen the episode, The Unquiet Dead, uh, now would be the time to hit pause on this episode and go watch the show because it's impossible for me to talk about and discuss what happened without really spoiling the show. Cause I'm going to ask a lot of questions and some of them will definitely reveal the plot of the, of this particular episode. But uh, jumping into the episode, it does feel like the creators, the show, I don't know, the universe is absolutely trying to draw me in. Cause we start, the, the first episode was very sort of sci-fi and very nice. Uh, last week's episode, uh, the end of the world, uh, it felt very Star Wars-y in that it had, you know, sort of that cantina feel with all these different characters parading around. And now we get to a show in which there's ghosts. And I'm <laughs> a huge ghost, you know, and Ghostbusters fan. It just feels like this show is trying to draw me in between the ghost references and then the the Phantom of the Opera sort of equivalencies that are happening in this episode. It's It really does feel like somebody said, what is the ideal fan show for somebody like Daniel? And they made it. The neat thing about Doctor Who is it really does have something almost for everyone. Like it. 
there, like you said, there's there's sci-fi, but there's this spooky element. There's so much that can happen in the show because he can go anywhere in time and space. So you have no limitation. And, and I mean, talk about no limitations, even within a show where you think, you know, the, the uh, after each episode, you kind of get a trailer or a teaser for what the next episode is going to be. And so the teaser for the show clearly showed that it was going to be some sort of spooky ghost episode. And even within the episode, there were moments where I was like, what the heck is happening? I mean, the, the undertaker, like drugging Rose and throwing her into the hearse. You're like, what is this? What is happening here? Would completely unexpected. And I mean, ultimately a very fun episode, but let let me jump right into some of the the questions. Uh, And again, if you just recently saw the show, then you know this show is all about... My canine is barking. (laughs) (laughs) He is, he's fine. So this episode is all about the doctor traveling back in time, taking Rose. Uh, He took her to the future in the last episode, so now he wants to take her to the past and of course, shenanigans are abound the moment they enter this new time. Um, but talking about how they enter this new time, I thought it was wonderful how uh, first they, they make Rose change into a, uh, an outfit while the, the doctor stays pretty much in the same clothing except he for the jumper. Fine. He can, he'll blend in just fine. Aren't you going to change? I've changed my jumper. Come on. She's in the... Stunning Victorian gown. His jumper's fine. Oh my god, that costume! It's beautiful. Was, oh my god! My wife just saw the in the trailer. She could not wait to see the show because of that costume that she is in. And as soon as she comes out in it, holy cripes! That was great. I don't know if it was uh, authentic to the time. It 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 feels like it might have been. But it looked stunning. Uh, and to sort of really go all out, I loved how she opens the door to the TARDIS and she takes that very hesitant step out. And she puts her footprint on the snow, almost as if to say, you know, I, like, like she's Neil Armstrong walking out onto the surface of the moon. Like to her, this is super exciting and i just i love the wonder that was represented in that introduction of her into this particular timeline or this particular day and time in the history and they went to the wrong place because <laughs> the chameleon circuit and, and the tardis is all messed up so they they went to the wrong place that the doctor was trying to go to which you'll find out happens a lot <laughs> Mm. So you you just said something that completely uh, I I did not understand. The chameleon circuits? So the chameleon circuit is what makes, would make the TARDIS appear differently. Um, So some folks will call it like a cloaking device. Um, Okay. The TARDIS is supposed to be, so your, your, your box that you travel in is supposed to be able to ship Ship, um, shape shifts into different things. This TARDIS, its chameleon circuit is broken. So chameleons can change their color, can look differently. This can change its shape and look differently. So part of the TARDIS's issue is that that chameleon circuit is broken. 
but it also has a lot of other quirks and kinks. So on top of the chameleon circuit being broken, other things don't work so well with the TARDIS and part of it's the doctor. Um, So he doesn't ever, well, sometimes he gets where he's trying to go, but he doesn't often get to where he's trying to go. So is is there a specific, um, uh, you, you insinuated now, is there going to be some, something to do with the 1860 specific year that he was trying to go or it was just, just an arbitrary date? No, it was just an arbitrary day. Um, well, well, <laughs> let's continue. Let's continue. Well, okay. I, I love stumbling onto those questions, guys. Yeah, let's continue. I feel like I, I get more out of the episodes that way. I think so, it's better that he stumbled on this day. Mm. Well, I, I like the idea that they land. Uh, he realizes that they're in the wrong time. And all of a sudden, there's Charles Dickens. Right? The, so that was one of the first sort of U-turns or curve balls that were thrown at me in this episode. Charles Dickens. What? what? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, it, I, it, it felt very, like... In the future, of course, they can't introduce any sort of figure or historical figure. You know, it's the future. We we don't know what's happened in the future. But all of a sudden, here we go. And it's like, you know, I would assume that if, if Doctor Who was an American show, uh, it would have been uh, Mark Twain that they stumbled on. Because, you know, Dickens, I think everybody knows who Dickens is. I think everybody's aware. Um, and the and, Doctor's a huge fan. So, of course, he wanted to meet him so that, that he would right, that he would get so excited and he fans <laughs> out about him which is such a cute scene i know everybody talks about their favorite doctor and i again i have no frame of reference so i'm just going off of three episodes but eccleson is really really good at making me uh, the same excitement that i have while watching the show he exhibits in his acting uh and particularly in that scene sitting there talking to Dickens and... What did he say? Uh, let me say this first. I'm not without a sense of humor. Dickens? But, yes. Charles Dickens? Yes. The Charles Dickens. You only move the gentleman, sir. Charles Dickens, you're brilliant, you are. Completely, 100% brilliant. Such a, like, humanizing moment for a character that could, you know, potentially be very inaccessible with all of these things that we'll talk about here uh that some of them they even you know brought back from uh previous episodes but i just i really love that idea that they introduce this literary character um which uh, my wife loves to google things while we're watching them because you know now that you have a supercomputer in your pocket why not use it to find out you know useless trivia so apparently Charles Dickens did do a presentation on December 24th of 1869 in that town. In Cardiff. Yes, in Cardiff. So that was absolutely uh, accurate historically, uh, which is wonderful to see sort of that that style of writing that ties into real historical events. And Cardiff is where they filmed Doctor Who for the most part as well. Oh, so that's a, I did not know that. Uh, you're a little bit more of an Anglophile than I am. Where exactly is Cardiff? Cardiff is in Wales. One of the many countries that is part of the UK. Correct. Yeah. So it's, but um, it's uh, to the west of London. Cause every, every, I, I think everybody knows London or at least yeah, they have an idea of London. 
So it's going to be to the west of London on the other side of the water, actually. So it's like on the other side of England entirely. You can actually see it from England. (laughs) I actually didn't know. When I was in England, I was having dinner at a restaurant and I was looking out. I'm like, oh, what are lights over there? And the English folks that I was with were like, oh, it's just whales. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, because some people think that way. And what I didn't realize later is it was Cardiff, and I was not a Doctor Who fan yet. And I was like, I waved to Cardiff, and I didn't know it. And you had no idea. I had no idea. Well, it does seem like in the show itself, in Doctor Who, they play with the whole biases, I guess we could say, of British people. Because he has made several jokes at Ed Rose's expense about being from the South. Uh, And then even in this episode, uh, when he says... What are they? Aliens. Like foreigners, you mean? Pretty foreign, yeah. From up there. Brecon? Close. And they've been trying to get through from Brecon to Cardiff, but the road's blocked. Uh, So there are some jokes uh, about the um, geography of the place. So I I guess I I understand that. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston's from uh, the Manchester area, and he has a very thick northern accent. And he is very well known for it. And it's, it's very funny because it's a very thick northern accent. And folks just love to pick on him for it. (laughs) <laughs> well, and we we mentioned it in the episode, but uh, lots of planets has have north. north. Yeah, lots uh, of planets which, have north, which was fantastic. So, uh, another comment or feeling on Rose, uh, and this will be in in the form of a question. But uh, so far, in you know the first episode, Rose is just kind of getting her wits about her and trying to figure out what's happening with this guy, the Doctor. But in the end of the world and definitely in the unquieted dead, she seems to gravitate towards these lower status characters. In the end of the world, she has this whole conversation with one of the future plumbers. And in this episode, like she was not interested in talking to the, the mortician. She was not interested in talking to Charles Dickens, who's right there with them. She goes and starts talking to the maid. Uh, is is that is that indicative of the character of Rose? And you'll know this because you've seen other episodes, or is that just a, a plot device to introduce us to insulary characters? I mean, I think she might be a little more comfortable with those folks if you think of her social status. She's a shop girl. Um, her job when she met the doctor was she worked in a retail shop. Um, she she would probably feel a lot more comfortable with folks that had everyday jobs than the folks that were the higher prim and proper um, folks. Um, she's truly a caring person who wants to understand people and know people. So I don't think it really is not a status quo with her. She just really wants to know what's going on with people. Um, and she very much like the doctor wants to help people. She truly cares about people. So I think she tries to just find out more about an individual rather than, um, you know, figure out, Oh, who's this person? Who can I talk to here? But tries to meet somebody and learn more about that person when she's going somewhere. Yeah. She, she was such a genuine sort of loving 
a character in that moment. She's sitting there talking to Gwendolyn, I think is uh, the character's Gwyneth. name. Gwyneth. Gwyneth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's very down to earth and they're having very much a, a girl conversation. Uh, but she just genuinely came off as this very caring person and almost trying to impart wisdom just earned by the fact that she comes from a future society, but still trying to sort of impart that wisdom onto uh, this girl. Um, but as uh, uh, I'm sorry, you said her, the character's name was uh, Gwyneth. Gwyneth. So as Gwyneth is having a conversation, we uh, we clearly get the point that uh, she there's something different and special about Gwyneth. Yeah, and there she, is. <laughs> she starts to see see London in uh, in Rose's time as opposed to London in her time, mm-hmm. and she she brings up a reference that it upon the first viewing, I just thought okay. That that seems like a weird sort of reference to make. Uh, but again, talking about these teaser trailers at the end of each episode, there is a mention of this the this reference that I'm about to bring up in that teaser trailer. So I have to ask, what's with the big bad wolf? Jeez, I don't know. That's such a strange thing, isn't it? And yes, it it, it seemed. I mean it. Everything was starting to freak her out a little bit. It's when she got to Big Bad Wolf that I think even if she hadn't been interrupted by the doctor, she was definitely worried enough at what she saw that she was going to discontinue the conversation and and move away. So it it seems like it's important and I'm going to take by your vague response that this is going to be this is going to be something that we're going to explore in further episodes. So we'll move on. And and I would remember Gwyneth as well. Okay. Um, And, and we'll, we'll chat about her much later, much later. Interesting. But not in the context that you know her of currently. That's fascinating. Yes. Uh, or as the doctor would say, fantastic. Fantastic. I yes. love that. Um, but, but and remember Gwyneth because uh, it's very interesting. It's very okay. Interesting. Well, well, definitely. Well, uh, she was definitely, I think, uh, in this episode, one of my wife's favorite characters. She's lovely. Uh, Miles she, is lovely. She, yeah, she was, she was great. Um, but she also becomes our introduction to this um, race, which, again, the nerd in me, loving the fact that we were dealing with ghosts. And then the doctor goes, actually, they're, they're not ghosts. They're yeah. from another part of the universe. Uh, and we're introduced to the Gels. Is that, yeah. am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, I, I believe so. Which they seem so nice. And then, oh. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I've mentioned this in the past in the podcast, but I have to relate things back to things that I'm familiar with. Because while some of these things may have certainly been the the, the influence to other, you know, pop culture references that I am drawing from, uh, 
to me, that that name immediately evoked the Gelflings from, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, it's weird. Two weeks in a row, you know, last week, there are all those weird bird creatures in the episode. And I'm thinking Skeksis. And now this week, (laughs) we got the Gelflings. I'm like, again, the show really wants me to like it. (laughs) The show is just like, Daniel, keep watching. I mean, uh, I, I've, I found that fantastic, but, uh, in the, uh, the seance where we're really exposed to what is happening with the Gelflings, there is yet another mention of a time I'm going to think war. of them as the Gelflings now forever. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, we, we are once again exposed to this idea that there's been these time wars and the Gelf expand on what I so far know, which is there were some time wars. It clearly affected the doctor deeply. I mm-hmm. talked about it in great lengths last episode with how emotionally he felt uh, when that was brought up to him. And in this episode, he definitely has a response Um because, and this is where you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost felt like he believed what the Gelf were saying because of the guilt he was made to feel when they brought up the time war. You're, you're good. Um, and, and we're going to move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's a lot in this episode that I'm just like touching that third yeah. rail, man. Um, there, there, there definitely was a time war, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously they talked about a little bit of the details of, of the time war. Um, yeah, they, they mentioned specifically the time war, the whole universe convulsed, the time war raged invisible to smaller species, but devastating to higher forms. Uh, there will be a lot more about the time war um, over the course of not one, not two, multiple episodes and multiple seasons of Mm -hmm. the show. And if if there's nothing that I like more is a very well-placed and then subtle callback to something that pays off in a storyline that comes up much later in the timeline. You're not going to get it wrapped up quickly. (laughs) Well, uh, I, I'm I'm not in any hurry to try to consume all these episodes as much as I wish I could uh, binge watch them. Uh, I'm really enjoying taking my time and digesting every episode uh, and trying to absorb uh, because clearly there's a lot uh, that's woven into these episodes. Um, so in uh, in that conversation, we gather that the Gelfs need. Uh, these human corpses to try to survive and the doctor's guilt plays into it. Um, But there's this lovely, uh, very macabre, but very uh, acute conversation in which the doctor specifically talks about how it's like recycling. And he even calls Rose out and he's like, why is this right? Why is this wrong? You're doing it already. Uh, you're just doing it in a different way. Uh, and he specifically, uh, I think the, 
the line that really hit in that scene, a, a lot of it was very clever. And I, I, I've already made mention of how clever I think the writing is. But there was specifically a line in that scene where he says... It's different. Lesson. It is different. Yeah, it's a different morality. Get used to it or go home. I like the idea that he's not doing something wrong in his eyes. He's not doing something um, you know, horrible. He's just... It's a different morality and and i understand it at least from what i gathered uh you know as soon as he felt that guilt he's trying to save them and to save them what's what's the harm in letting these things use these corpses they're they're not doing anything else so why not i i love that notion that here's this character that is going to tell us not everything is going to be black and white and some of it is just going to be a little different than what you're used to in a way that doesn't feel obtuse. It doesn't feel like we're being browbeaten or, or beaten over the head by the, the morality of what the story is. So I, I enjoyed that immensely. That's so much of what makes me love the doctor is that the doctor can give you hope even in times of such horrible things that are going on in the world. There can be destruction and sadness and, my goodness, 2020. And if we had a doctor, <laughs> I think, you know, there could be a lot better solutions to things than what we are finding because the doctor does look at things in a very different way, but not in a way that, makes you feel bad about it, not in a way that makes you feel guilty. The doctor just looks at it in a different way that can make you go, huh, I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, that, that's a really, really good point. And you can find ways to move forward and get past obstacles that you have. Yeah, it the idea that he thinks differently and that that's not a bad thing because ultimately he's, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's just going about it a different way. So moving along in the uh, in the episode, we get to the moment where uh Gwyneth, no. Yep. I got the Gwyneth. character wrong. Yeah. And once again, if this is the first time you're listening to the episodes, uh, I have a horrible time with names. Names fly in and out of my head. Uh, I am glad the characters, the, the lead characters named the doctor, because that's easy <laughs> to remember. And Rose, because that's easy to remember. Pretty much anybody else, it's difficult for me. But when when she starts, uh, when they're getting her ready, uh, they're taking her down to that room to open the riff. Down to the morgue, uh, yeah. Yeah, and she, she talks about how uh, they are her angels and that her mom sent these angels and they've been singing to her. Uh, that's the moment that I legitimately, like, I... I could have almost paused the show and started listening to um, Phantom of the Opera because mm -hmm. that feels very, you know, that that's what happens to Christine Daae in, yeah. in, the, in the show. Uh, so it, once again, this reference that it may be 
uh, it, it may be an actual intended reference. It may be just something that I'm reading into it. But once again, another hook placed into, you know, my interest in, of the show because it's literally tapping on everything that I've absolutely ever been interested in or loved. And Phantom of the Opera is another huge passion of mine. And here's almost a direct reference to it, which was fantastic. So we're we're now in that uh, morgue, and it is abundantly clear that the Gelf are not the altruistic, helpless little flowers that they pretended to be, but in yeah, fact they're planning they're so an good. invasion, right? And then you know there's a few in numbers. Uh, it's you know what's a few billion they say. <laughs> uh, so clearly you know the doctor has been played, uh, and in the conversation you you see Rose starts to really freak out about her uh, her own mortality, but she's trying to use that movie rationalization of time travel. And she's like, I can't possibly die because I haven't been born yet. So how could I die if I haven't been born? And once again, here's the doctor explaining this universe to us and telling us something that uh, I found fascinating, which is time isn't a straight line. It can twist into any shape. You can be born in the 20th century and die in the 19th, and it's all my fault. I like how this show approaches time travel in that stop worrying about the actual device of time traveling and just worry about what's happening right here and right now. And right here and right now, we're trying to save the world. And so don't worry about, you know, whether what that's going to do to you and what you know. Worry about what's happening now. Like, it, it feels very... Zen-like in a way to dis to describe time in that fashion. On the other hand, though, Rose is always worried about her mom because all that her mom has is her. So, like in the previous episode, she she wanted to talk to her mom. You know, when the world's gone, which was such a sweet to. little moment. Yeah, um, and so I can't help but think, like, oh gosh, here I go again. I'm going to die again. You know, and leave my mm -hmm. mom. <laughs> Right, and, and not be with the ones that I love. And it and again, it here's the doctor sort of reminding her it's not about what happened yesterday, it's about right now, it's not about what's gonna happen, it's about this moment right here. Uh and I thought in I mean, we've seen a little bit of it in the acting, but this is the first time that out loud the doctor says I'm so glad I met you. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be more of this relationship explored, but what, what does he mean by that in this episode? I mean, he's been traveling alone, you know, and you have to imagine it gets lonely. And here he's found uh, at this point, you know, a, a companion. We call them companions to travel with him who is excited about exploring things and who is up for adventure and who for us, the audience can kind of be that human side of the doctor can kind of see that, that human quality and show that human quality. It's often been said that the companion is there to show that, to, to help give that human dimension of the doctor. So he's not as alien, but it also is just, him having a friend while he's going through all of these things. 
It's that he's not alone. Yeah, because he, he, more than in any other episode so far, uh, and granted there's only been three, but he really focuses on her. He, you know, in, in essence, he says at the beginning of the episode, he's taken her back in time because he's already taken her to the future. Now he wants her to see the past, almost as if he's saying, look, I'm going to take you around and I'm going to show you all these amazing things because I want you to stay. Like, uh, at, at least that's how it played off at the beginning. It's like, I want you to be my friend. I want you to choose this crazy life that I'm I'm trying to show you. But he says things like, Blimey. Don't laugh. <laughs> you look beautiful. And then he tries to take it away. Considering? Considering what? That you're human. That moment felt really genuine. Like for the first time in a long time, he's felt that kind of emotion. And this could, again, be just my mis, uh, misunderstanding of the character only three episodes in. But at least for this version of Doctor... He seems to not hold himself back. He says what he is thinking and or reflects it in his reactions to what's happening. Christopher Eccleston is my doctor. Um, I, I love his portrayal. I think he's, he's very sweet. Um, he can be childish at times. He can be a little cheeky at times. Um, when he's angry, you don't want to mess with him. But most of that anger comes from protection and love and because he truly cares and he wants what's best for those around him, whether they're people he knows or uh, another civilization that he's trying to protect. Um, I think that his doctor is fantastic, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word. And I... I don't like that we only got one season of him. Well, uh, the the good news is that apparently there are some new audio stories that are yes. coming out with yes. him in it. Yes, he's going to be doing some some audiobooks. Yes. So I'm I'm very excited to hear those cuz I I do really enjoy and I found myself multiple times in this episode sort of giggling out loud uh at some of his reactions to what was happening in the episode. You know, when Rose is talking about how the mortician, you know, threw her in the back of the car and then copped a feel and like his reaction to it just feels very genuine. Like yes. I like everything about it, his appearance, even even in those moments where uh the the Gelfer basically harping on his uh on his guilt the way he plays it off is it, his decisions are very broad and very specific and very pure. There's, there's no ambiguity and it, it's just, it plays off so well. It, it, to me, I feel that, and I may change my mind as I go into different doctors as uh, you, you guys uh, in the fandom say, I can't imagine that anybody else is going to be able to play this character this way in such a compelling way in a way that sort of draws people in. I'm, I'm sure everybody else's performances are great. Clearly the show is still hugely popular and people still watch it by the billions, but 
this guy is absolutely, it's like everything he does for me is just the little finger wave sort of getting me to come on, follow me in. Let's go a little bit deeper, go a little bit, you know, come, come a little bit closer to me. Uh, and every single episode, I just feel drawn to his character. I guess the way that we're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why it was successful. That's why the reboot in, in 2005 was so successful. That's why we were able to have David Tennant and Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi and now Jody because of Chris. If Chris wasn't able to pull this off and do what he did and pull in all of us, what, what people don't sometimes recall is that if it wasn't for him and I'm staring at him, and which you don't know, and, and it's so funny because we're just talking and you can't see what I'm doing right now. I have two monitors, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. my other monitor is the background is Chris and he's staring at me right now. So I'm like looking <laughs> at him as I'm saying this, like, would you don't, we wouldn't have Dr. Who as we know it today. He's integral to having Dr. Who back in our lives. And that's so important. And it's so great that he's embracing it because for a long time he didn't. Um, and that's his own personal stuff that happened, you know, on his, his side with, with, you know, the, the studio and such, but he started to do conventions and everything now, and he is embracing it and he's meeting the fans and he's realizing how much the show means to us and how much he means to us. Um, and that's why I'm sure he's doing the audiobooks, you know, because yeah, Dr. Who, you're, you're a big deal and it's important to us. Eric, Sweetman last week pretty much said almost the exact same thing <laughs> in that it just without without this actor it certainly feels like he uh, for me is introducing me into a world that I want to know more about uh, and I think based on what I'm starting to hear you know you're now the second uh, fan that I've had on the show that has said if, if not for him we don't get anybody else. And you are more than welcome uh, to like different doctors. And I've heard that, you know, people prefer the doctor that they sort of jumped in with. But it, at least so far, he is doing a hell of a job at making a what could be a very unrelatable character the most genuine thing on that screen every time he's in it. The, this is, I think, the, the the episode of the podcast in which I just completely gush over and con- continue to profess how much I've enjoyed and I'm loving this show. But jumping back into the episode, I love the notion <laughs> that while the doctor is certainly setting things in motion and, and helping people... Um, sort of figure out what's happening. I love the idea that it's Charles Dickens that ultimately figures out a way to solve their conundrum. Yes. And the moment that they give this, you know, literary character an opportunity to go, oh, the gas. And he runs back into the house after sort of having denounced what was happening and help the situation to the point where he's able to stop this alien invasion from happening by, you know, saving the day in a way. And I liked how it it reinvigorated he felt. And 
how ultimately Rose is concerned. She's like, well, I don't remember there being a book about the blue elementals. And the doctor goes, yeah, he dies next year. Yeah. Like, he'll die before he'll ever get to tell the story. But I just love the idea that the doctor gave this character, this person, the, a real person, but the character of Charles Dickens, sort of the will to keep going and, and made his life worth living until the very end. Because at the beginning of the episode, he was just so sad and, you know, he, he didn't seem like he had much to live for. And and then by the end of the episode, he's seen the doctor's shed fly away and disappear. Mm-hmm. He probably thinks he's a little, a little bit crazy. And now he's got this whole great new story to write. I love how uh, the doctor's like, right, shed. <laughs> Come on, Rose. In the box. Both of you. Down, boy. See ya. The doctor's like, no, 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 don't get the wrong idea. It's not what you think. Calm <laughs> down. Enjoy yourself. And go on about your life. Just such a nice way of ending this little adventure with a person that the doctor is clearly a fan of uh, and, and making that moment. Um, so for the last uh, really technical Doctor Who question, because this one's, this one's really nerdy. Okay. The doctor the doctor says as the gilf are coming out that this is only a temporary solution and that once they are through the riff that he's got a place or he's he's going to take them somewhere else. Okay. What is he talking about? Like what what would he do? What is what was he going to do? Um like he could take them to another planet, another place in in the solar system, in the universe, because it can travel in all time and space, he can remove them from Earth and and take them somewhere else. So take them to another planet full of dead people? <laughs> Possibly, or maybe there's another type of life form that they could, like it didn't have to be human, that they could... Live with I guess he or, could take them to a gaseous planet. Yeah, co- some some place that they could cohabitate with safely. Mm. But so you think he is genuinely saying, "I've got a solution for you." This is just the short term, the the first step. I I think he feels that. Um, I honestly don't remember if we come back and ever address that. Um. But with the guilt that he feels, I'm sure he wants to. Yeah, it definitely feels like he's dying to help out and and do everything he can. Um, So uh, to to finish things off, uh, I think one of my favorite moments uh, in this episode uh, is, again, a moment that comes thanks to the doctor. uh, And in that moment where... Rose and the doctor are faced with their imminent doom and Rose starts to sort of worry uh, about what's going to happen. And clearly, uh, as you said, you know, most likely worried about her mom as well. Uh, The doctor has that moment where he turns to her and is like, what about me? I saw the fall of Troy, World War V. I pushed boxes at the Boston Tea Party. Now I'm going to die in a dungeon. Yes. 
sort of insinuating that he was at the birth of what would lead, you know, the, the, that spark that would lead to the revolution of uh, and the separation of America from uh, from England. Because, of course, um, he was. Cause, right. Because if you can travel through time, why wouldn't you have been? Um, but I just were probably, you know, besties. Right. <laughs> he just that that moment made me again. This show makes me laugh out loud and I, I, people overuse that term a lot. Right. You know, oh, you made me laugh out loud. I genuinely mean I am guffawing out loud. And and the fans requote it and requote it over and over again. Um, the Every Planet Has a North line. Mm-hmm. We requote that a lot as fans. There's there's going to be things that come up that it's just going to stick with you. And they're just great lines. Um, every time you say spoilers, I laugh because there's a line that comes up eventually. Oh, um, there we go. And, yeah, spoilers. And spoilers is a spoiler. Um, it's There's just so much fun as well as compassion in Doctor Who. Um, it's just such a diverse show. And I mean, it's, it's something you can watch with your family. You can watch, you know, as a couple, you can watch with your kids. You can, it's, it's something that everybody can get into. It has surprised me. Uh, after this many years, I am genuinely surprised that I have somehow managed not to see this show until now and how I've managed. It's not to like I've it. ever talked to you about it before. I, I have, I mean, you are now the second of, uh, of what will be many friends that I have that I've had conversations with long conversations with about doctor who of which I couldn't really participate in the conversation, but to listen with the, uh, I mean, the the excitement and the passion with which you guys uh and i lump you in this group of very dear individuals to me that just absolutely love this show and have for years tried to make the point and convince me that it would be worth my time and again it's not that I've avoided it. It's not that I thought you guys were all crazy and trying to suck me into a cult. It's just, I don't know, maybe I needed cosmically, I needed to wait for the right time for the show to resonate with me in a deeper way. And I'm almost glad that I took the time and that I now in this day and age with what is happening, be able to sit down and enjoy a show that I am finding so much pleasure in and that I'm finding every single episode has evoked an emotion out of me and has caused me to think in a very positive way about my life, about what I'm doing, about what's happening around me. And it's allowed me to process that in in a very sort of wholesome way. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. And I'm honestly, I'm so glad that I am now able to start these types of conversations with friends like you that have such a passion and a wealth of knowledge of what's what's to come, what I have yet to encounter. 
And I'm so excited to share this with you. As hokey as that sounds, like it's it's like when you take somebody to like Disney World for the first time and you're like, let me show you all the great things. Like that's <laughs> that's what Doctor Who is to, to to me, is to hear you get so excited about something that I've been in love with for so long. It's like I'm seeing it through your eyes for the first time. It's like I get to relive it. And I am reliving it by watching the episodes again because you never get sick of them because they are that good. I I can't imagine that I'm ever not going to enjoy going back and watching these episodes. Um, and I'm very, very happy that I had this opportunity to have you on the show, to have you discuss uh, the, the wonderful antics of the doctor. So thank you very much, Jenny. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Uh, well, I appreciate you. And uh, for those of you that are new to the show, if you have not, please go back and listen to our previous episodes. And if you get a chance to watch the shows first, it will also hopefully deepen your enjoyment of them but i appreciate every single one of you as the listeners if you do want to support the show please go check out i do have a patreon that i just recently started uh, you can find it by looking for my name daniel levane or you can go to the website firsttimelord.com and follow the link to the patreon page where for five dollars you can get these episodes a whole week ahead of time and uh, you can also subscribe some of the higher tiers will give you extra content some of the things that get cut out of the show for time that are still fun and interesting so please join me on patreon and uh, any help is appreciated and of course you can visit the website firsttimelord.com you can contact me through the website let me know what you're thinking are you enjoying the shows are you enjoying re-watching doctor who let me know and i guess uh i have nothing left to do now but uh, to go and uh, watch some more doctor who Bye.